Hey, what's up, BTC fam? It's your pleb next door, Saint Bitcoin. Welcome to Pleb Talk Podcast, where Bitcoiners worldwide will get their voices heard, stories shared, and take us on their very own journeys. This is episode three, Big City Chillin' with BT Bust. Yo, what is up, everybody? It's your boy, Saint Bitcoin, chilling here with a very special guest today. Uh, I'm actually hanging out with him in person while I'm on a, a work trip right now. I'm going to introduce to you guys today, BT Bust. Hey, guys. What's going on? Nice to speak with y'all. Good to see you, man. Dude, it's uh, super awesome to hang out with you. I've actually never gotten to hang out with a Bitcoiner before. Super epic to chill with you, dude. Uh, got an awesome view of the whole city and uh, drinking some Stellas, you know, one of my favorite beers, Getting doing a podcast episode, doing an awesome Bitcoin episode. I actually never got to hear your story. I've had you on my Twitter, I think for months now, like had you on there for a pretty long time. And uh, I've never gotten to hear your story before. So uh, in the best way you could explain it, let me hear uh, how you got into Bitcoin and not only how you got into Bitcoin, but through that story, like what Bitcoin means to you. Sure. I'll try and uh, put a few coherent thoughts together here. <laughs> um, so I came to Bitcoin through gold and silver. So the same kind of way as that fucking knucklehead Peter Schiff. Uh, I, I mean, we, we worked in the, in the same industry. So I came into gold and silver around like 2015 and, you know, kind of saw what like a hard cap money should do. And it should be gold, but it's so manipulated. And then the market was so slow in gold and silver around uh, the summer of 2017 um, that we started to, to try and introduce Bitcoin. And I was skeptical, but I got introduced to it. And as soon as it was, you know, kind of presented to me as digital gold, like the gears in my mind immediately clicked. And I saw that this could be this like force of monetary value that gold always should have been. So in, instead of you know, clinging to gold like Peter Schiff, I was actually able to change my mind and come on board to Bitcoin. And that's kind of, you know, where my Bitcoin journey started. Unfortunately, I was also hanging out with some venture capitalists that, that inhabit Los Angeles. There's some in Santa Monica. I was there with like the, it's hard to say this on, on recording, uh, with like some of the EOS people. Um, so I was there at like, at kind of like shitcoin ground zero. But um, yeah, that, that's kind of where I came on board and kind of started, started my journey going through Bitcoin to numerous shit coins back to Bitcoin. That's kind of where, where it all started for me. A lot of us have a past of uh, making decisions that, you know, we needed to learn from in the markets, right? Those are some of the things that we take with us. We learn about sound money. We learn about economics. We learn about the principles of what money should be. It really stinks that people like Peter Schiff, when it comes to Bitcoin, they just really seem clueless about some parts. I mean, I don't think they're clueless at all. Like there's, there's purposeful cognitive dissonance there. Like Peter Schiff knows absolutely that Bitcoin is superior to gold in every single aspect. It's more transferable. It's more fungible. It's more divisible. There is literally no characteristic where gold beats Bitcoin. But unfortunately, I've also been like a like a precious metal shill 
just like Peter Schiff. So like, I understand where he's, he's coming from. He's trying to protect his fund, like his livelihood and the food on his table depends on him, you know, shilling people, these, these shiny rocks that like don't really have any value, um, or they, they don't have transferable value in the same way that Bitcoin does. So it's been an interesting journey to like get into it from that perspective. For me, it was like an awakening. It was like a, it was like a trip that, that you never return from. Like once you understand Bitcoin, it's like the, the lens in your eye shifts. Like you see the world in a different way. And now I kind of like frame everything through like a Bitcoin reference point because everything should be judged in, in Bitcoin terms. I think that's, that's the way that I see it. What do you think? I'm super glad I got to hear your opinion on that, man. I, I think there's a lot of people in the space that actually have an agenda. I think there's a lot of people that want to get your Bitcoin out of your pocket into their pocket. And uh, I'm glad I got you a little riled up, got you a little toxic, you know. <laughs> I want you to talk a little bit about you were telling me how you lived in a different country for a while. What country did you live in for a little while? And why do you think that Bitcoin can help those people help that country? How does Bitcoin fix the things that you see? Sure. That's a, that's a great question. So no, I think I got rid of all of my alternative coins or, you know, tokens or whatever you want to call them, um, about a year ago. And I I've always spent time in the Dominican Republic. My parents were like obsessed with, with windsurfing. So I've been going there since I was like one. Um, so about 30 years, you know, I, I was still in altcoins, but also more heavily in Bitcoin and I was driving to our house from the airport and there was a sign like posted on the side of the road and it said, I'll sell this property for 10 Bitcoins. And I was like, this thing has like real reach. Like it can be a global currency. There is actual demand, not only in the United States, like not in the Bitcoin Twitter bubble, but like real demand in an obscure third world island nation. And that really kind of like solidified my view. And then it kind of like brought me back to my childhood in a way where I remember growing up there to make a phone call, there used to be phone banks. So there was no landline. You used to have to go to the Codatel to make a phone call. And then the next generation was you had to go to the internet cafe, right? Like not everyone had internet. Like, did you ever go to an internet cafe? I have never been to an internet cafe. I am uh I'm young saint. Uh, I'm I'm pretty young myself too. And uh, no, I've I've never had to go in an internet cafe. I've always had a uh, fast internet in my home. <laughs> so I remember like this is a place that has like rolling blackouts. Like you have to have a generator. Like the lights will just shut off. But that was the progression. And like if if I think back now in terms of like a, a technical framework, you used to have to like dr ride your bike or drive your car to make a phone call. Then you used to have to like ride your bike or drive your car to get on the internet. And then one year, Wi-Fi came through. And then the next year, the iPhone came through. And at that point, I saw that like exponential technology could make that jump because everyone there just cut the landline off. Nobody needed a landline. Everyone had a computer in their pocket. And as long as they had an internet connection, they were able to connect and actually contribute and get online. So I saw that kind of like exponential jump in technology and it brought me back to that, like seeing that sign where it was like, I'll sell 
my property for 10 Bitcoin, it kind of all clicked into place for me. And I was like, this is going to work. And this is when Bitcoin was, what was it in December 2018? Like 3,200 bucks, 3,300 bucks. I started just shilling it to everyone. Nobody listened to me. They're all regretting it now. But That's when I really went all in Bitcoin. And that's when I made the decision to become a Bitcoin maximalist and just really dive in. So I, I'm super grateful for that too. One of the things I really wanted to ask you is like, you're putting your time and effort on the line. You're stacking sats. So what does Bitcoin truly mean to you? Do we have enough time on this podcast to, to, to cover that fully? <laughs> um, you know, I think a lot about that. I think I probably think about it every day, um, multiple times a day. But I think it's I think it's about freedom. I really think it's about freedom. Like if you look at what's going on around the world, it makes perfect sense for Bitcoin. I think my biggest concern about Bitcoin is like apathy. People won't care, right? But then you cook up the macroeconomic climate that we have right now, and it's like, how can you not find Bitcoin? Like you have the surveillance state in Hong Kong, Chile, Lebanon, like all of these uprisings, France. You're about to have negative interest rates. Like imagine giving somebody money and they charge you for it. Like it's the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard. So I think that once you start stealing people's money, that they become less apathetic. So for me, I think it's just like the separation of church and state just in the same way, like money and state. And that Satoshi never did anything that was unintentional, right? And so the fact that it came out on October 31st, I think it is in line with Martin Luther releasing his texts in like the 1500s, which is, you know, what being in debt to the church, right? But no, I think I think it's about the separation of money and state, the same way that we separated church from state. I think that no one entity should have the power to, you know, create and alter the money supply because the people closest to that money supply always benefit more and the people at the bottom don't. And I think that's why there's like a lot of inequality and, and unrest in the world and Will Bitcoin fix that perfectly? Absolutely not. Like the distribution is not perfect, but it's it's much better than the current system. The people that were savvy to the technology were the first ones to find out about it. And they were the ones that took the risk at that time. And different people took that same risk over time. And we're taking that same risk today. And uh, that's why we're stacking sats. That's why we're putting our time and energy into Bitcoin, because we really believe that Bitcoin fixes this. We really believe that. Bitcoin is that answer to the central banking problems. We believe that Bitcoin is the answer to many things. Exactly. And I think that, you know, what you have to do is like ditch the fiat mindset, right? Because in the fiat mindset, like it's all about comparison, right? Like uh, Tina has a Chanel bag, like Rory has a Ferrari, like fuck all that. Like comparison is like the theft of joy. But in the fiat system, that's what you're like uh, programmed to strive for. And I think that's what I take out of like stay humble, stack sats. It's about ditching that mindset of comparison. Like, do I wish that I had like the Winklevoss's stash of Bitcoin? Absolutely. But I know that by like working with guys like you and like all the people we talk with on Twitter, by encouraging everyone to like put their time, money and effort into something that's stored, that keeps its value, that we're all helping each other, right? It's like a self-perpetuating, like positive feedback loop. So we don't need to like compare stacks. It doesn't matter how much Bitcoin 
each and every one of us has. It just matters that we have it and we continue to keep stacking it and that we all work towards a common goal. Like that, that's the difference, right? It's more of like a long-term mindset versus like spending your money on some bullshit. It's like we're all stacking towards this common goal of being able to actually and truly like affect change. And I think that's, that's the coolest part of like the taco plea thing. Like, yeah, whatever. We're toxic. We like talk some shit, fuck around with people, but we are all pushing each other. It's like a marathon. We're like all together on the marathon. We're throwing each other like waters, lar bars, whatever. We're fueling each other to get to the end of the road, which is a Bitcoin standard. That was an amazing explanation, dude. <laughs> that, that was awesome, man. I really appreciate you, dude. I really appreciate you uh, coming down here, chilling. You being the first Bitcoiner that I got to meet in person. You know, I'm sure I'm going to get to meet many, but uh, uh, it's pretty cool kicking it here, yeah. trying to put together an episode. <laughs> I'm going to edit that part out. I'm going to edit that part out. <laughs> Let's regather. I, 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 uh, Are we doing it right so far? Feel a turn. <laughs> it's it's fun to listen to. I don't want to get too technical because uh, pleb talk is supposed to be uh, like. I can't cover. I'm not covering technical topics. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get some freshies. Oh. Move these. Yeah. This is gonna be a this is gonna be a funny episode because uh, they're lit. Well, they're back, bro. What? This podcast. It's just elevated because you're you're. Uh... <laughs> I hope you can edit it into something. I'm gonna edit it into something good. I think it comes down to true ownership, right? I think this has been discussed, but what what can you own besides Bitcoin? right? Like if you own property, you still have property taxes. Like the state still has a claim to your property. They can still seize it for eminent domain. Like if they want to build a highway, like good luck seizing Bitcoin to, to build like an information superhighway. Like if you have your private keys, you have true ownership of the most scarce asset that's ever existed in mankind. So for me, it's about true ownership it's about freedom. It's about having, as we discussed in the chat, fuck you money. Not in terms of like abundance, but in terms of I can do anything that I want with it. And I think that money is like a, is, is really, should be protected under like the first amendment, right? Like money is freedom of speech, right? To be able to transact however you see fit is a human right. Like the U.S. government, the Chinese government, the Yugoslavian government, the French government, nobody should be able to tell you or me how I should send my dollars around or my euros or my yen or anything. So for me, it's just about being able to send value anywhere, anytime, to any person in any which way. And Bitcoin absolutely fixes this. And I think that's why it will become the global base money because it is uncensorable. So uncensorability equals freedom. And that's what I like about Bitcoin.
there is a need for Bitcoin. And it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, and it doesn't matter where you come from, and it doesn't matter where you are in society. Everybody has a need for Bitcoin. Everybody has a use for Bitcoin. I think that's absolutely true. Look, you can either figure out Bitcoin now, or it'll come and get you. But Bitcoin is going to eat the fiat inefficiencies of the world. It's already coming. It's come from being nothing on a cypherpunk mailing list, being worth zero. Now one Bitcoin is worth 9,000 US dollars. In 2013, one ounce of gold cost 513 Bitcoin. Now one ounce of gold costs 0.15 Bitcoin. Just zoom out. Have a look. If you think you're too late, smack yourself in the face. You're a bit too early. Just buy Bitcoin and wait. You don't wait to buy Bitcoin. That's what you do. The monetary revolution is coming. It's here. The hash rate continues to rise. Podcasts like this keep popping up. We are good to go. We are primed for launch. Don't miss the boat. You're going to regret it. Buy Bitcoin before you need it. Because once you're buying out of necessity, it's going to be a lot harder for you. So I hope that all of you get on board and get as much as you can. Well, dang, you just heard it from BT Bust. <laughs> Explained it like a pro. Hey, man, I'm uh, super grateful for you to have you on the podcast. You're the second person I've gotten to interview. Um, we're hanging out here, man. It's awesome that I got to meet you in person. Super cool. I definitely felt like I made a new friend today, dude. We're good. Definitely. And uh, I know we'll definitely meet up again sometime. You have a great perspective. I think you have a great outlook on life. I know you're stacking sats whenever you have extra money. We Oh, he wants to stack. Let's stack. Hey. Should do one stack. What are we going to do? <laughs> a little bit at least. I got to do a million sats. That's always what I do. Right. Milli off the market. I'm buying now. Uh, I already bought it front right here. Ooh. He took a million off the market before I did. There might not be a million left. <laughs> that's, hey, that's real talk right there. There it is, buddy. Yeah. I guess it's complete. Stacked. We stacked sats. We drank some beers. We had a good podcast. We had some good conversation. Made a new friend. All in a day. All in a day of a Bitcoiner. Um, I'm super grateful for the episode. Super grateful for the time. I know we're going to get to meet again. I wanted to uh, give BT the microphone one more time just to say some closing words because this episode's about him. It's his episode. Everyone should be buying Bitcoin. Just know that you're going to. And I'll keep it with my tagline. You don't wait to buy Bitcoin. You buy Bitcoin and wait. See you soon. So that was my short interview with BT when we were recently both in L.A. at the same time. 
This was the latest night that I worked the whole trip, so we didn't have a bunch of time to hang out, but I'm definitely grateful for the experience. BT has a genuine passion for Bitcoin, and his optimistic view of Bitcoin's future is not only backed by his personal research, but also his experiences overseas and in the industries he's worked in. Every pleb has a great story to tell, and I'm glad we got to hear BT's. This is St. Bitcoin with Pleb Talk Podcast. Peace. Peace.